You're listening to the Personal Development Through Martial Arts Podcast, the podcast where the world's highest personal development experts and martial arts masters come together to empower and inspire you to become your strongest self and live the life that you truly want. Join host Bogdan Rosho, author, public speaker, and the founder of the first personal development through martial arts school in the world, in the podcast where you become the hero. There's a reason why students from all over the world and clients who own eight-figure businesses come to Lucas Rysheshki. Known as the copywriter millionaires recommend, Lucas is able to take complex marketing problems and turn them into simple, elegant solutions practically overnight. This was a very exciting interview, and I'm happy to say that we dove into the aspects of martial arts training that really, really help your business. So if you're a martial artist, um, I would be very, very excited to listen to this interview because it's going to bring you a lot of powerful insights which will make your life a success if you are a business owner listening in you might find some gems or some reasons why you would want to integrate martial arts training in your life so without further ado let's welcome lucas to the show see you know what great i I love martial arts here's how i can use it yeah so basically what i what i noticed was that martial arts gives you huge huge value in terms of resilience that Mm -hmm. okay i feel like i'm gonna drop but i'm actually at half of my potential Mm. but what martial arts doesn't teach you is what to do with that power once you have it Mm. how do you communicate that power right how do you share that power with others how do you get promoted how do you improve your relationships so that's what Mm. i felt that personal development had a huge huge contribution so basically one complements the other right Mm -hmm. What personal development doesn't give you is specifically how to learn ideas with your body. You can mm-hmm. talk about confidence all you want, but when you learn to do it, to express it with, with everything that you do, it's, that's when you have it. That's when you own it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So you're kind of incorporating that knowledge of, of what your body can do, like that body sense into the more like head-based logical you know reading mental stuff so that's interesting okay cool i like that that's a cool angle awesome awesome so uh, what i'd like to talk about just like a bit about uh your background you know how you started out and just build from there awesome so my do you want the short version or the long windy version (laughs) well um Let's begin with, with the start. Like how, when did you actually um, get into business? Like uh, when, when did you know that you were, you were interested in business? Yeah. So I, uh, I did not start out thinking I was going to be in business at all. My, my whole entire family was military, uh, come from a generation, generations of military people. Um, so my whole life, I thought I was going to be in the military for my whole life. If that makes right. sense, right? Um, I I joined the R uh, in, in in the U.S. We have the program that trains officers for the military branches. It's called the ROTC program, mm-hmm. and that's usually in college, where and sometimes people go to the uh, military academies and stuff. I got a scholarship into college to do that, so I signed my name on the line when I was seventeen years old. Went to go train in college for four years, got a degree at the same time. And then after that, I was obligated uh, an eight-year service stint for uh, being an officer in the army. And about halfway through college, a couple big things happened. Uh, I met my future wife, and I realized that because of that, I didn't want to be gone for half of my life from mm. her. You know, deployed for however long that was going to be. Because what I what I wanted to do in the military originally was, and this sounds super campy when you when you hear about it, um, but I, I had a dream to be a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Um, and that dream modified into going into the special forces and yada yada. Like I I, I say it's I, I I say it's nerdy because it was a kid thinking 
you know, this is the most badass thing that I can do. Right. Um, Did you have like a lot of G.I. Joe uh, toys when you were a kid? (laughs) I I didn't, no. I I didn't have a lot of G.I. Joes or anything like that. I had had the army men and the Legos more like doing the tactics and jumping them around and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I would, I was the kid outside running around with sticks and fake guns with my friends and uh, wherever we lived in Florida or Utah or in Wyoming, I was running around with paintball guns. And, and so it was, it was that kind of upbringing. Um, yeah. millenn- I haven't talked about that in a while. <laughs> millennials listening right now are like, what? You went outside with fake guns? What? You didn't have, <laughs> you didn't have like online gaming? No. Well, I did. I did do that. Uh, I did have online gaming because I remember GoldenEye on Nintendo 64 and I remember StarCraft on the original Battle.net. So I had that too. But I mean, you got to get out and run. Um, but yeah, then in in college, I realized that uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go be deployed. I didn't want to potentially die and, and miss the rest of my life. So you suddenly, you suddenly had something to live for. Exactly. Yourself. Well, beyond myself and beyond just the immediate like decision that I had already kind of made for myself when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. um, it was just an entire opening of the world to me. Because I'm like, shit, well, my entire worldview has just been shattered. Yeah. Um, and and luckily, my, my dad, my mom and my dad separated when I was younger, but my dad has always been into the kind of like opportunity space, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. You know, he was real estate and then, you know, he was working on uh social media stuff and internet marketing and so really so i've been exposed cool. to that world through yeah. him um and when i had my little world shatter and i was like shit i don't know what to do i dove into like just that because to me that's what business meant that's the only mm-hmm. experience i had with it it was military or the stuff my dad had been dabbling in um and and that's i mean don't want to like go for super long, but that's basically how I got my start. I, I got involved in the world. I got a job out of college working with one of the companies and then um, decided to go full-time as a copywriter in like 2013. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. So in 2013, that was your decision to, to become a full-time copywriter. Yeah. And since then, you've helped out some very, very big names in uh, the personal development industry. Uh, with a copy, you've helped them sell millions and millions of um, dollars. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that didn't happen overnight, right? No, not at all. It wasn't like somebody um, came to you and said, look, here's $10 million, write my copy. <laughs> yeah, that still hasn't happened. That'd be nice if someone pays a copywriter 10 mil. Um, the, yeah, so it doesn't, it, nothing, nothing I've ever done has happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've had one of, and, and this is actually a really common thing when it comes to mastering a new thing, which um, as martial artists would definitely understand you, the newbie has a spike of, of like, uh, skill. Like you, you go from knowing nothing to knowing like quite a lot compared to previously very quickly. And then it goes like that and it just kind of sticks there for a little while. And then maybe it pops a little bit and goes like that again. That's how I was with, uh, copywriting. So wasn't very good at all popped a little bit with my very first like actual client yeah um had some great results with him leveled off made a lot of mistakes you know worked with people uh got good results but not like fantastic and then it's just been kind of bumping up ever since um yeah it's it's exactly the same process in martial arts and uh you're 100 on point and many people quit just because of those plateaus and they feel mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm never going to improve. Yep. And then you just go and you go and you go and somebody just drops like one piece of information mm-hmm. and it just bums, just changes everything. everything. Right. I think, and the reason people quit is because they don't realize that that's the whole part, that whole plateau is the process. process. You know, it, that you can't, you can't get the bomb any faster or slower than when you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you can't do it. And the only way to continue is to, it's to just keep staying with the plateau and practicing and working hard at that same level in order to pop. And I, I read one of my very favorite books about the process is mastery. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's called mastery, but it's written by George Leonard. It's not the Robert Greene book. It's a different uh, master because Robert Greene has his book on mastery. Right. Um, 
Mastery by George Leonard is really good because it teaches that tiered approach to learning. And I think it's a way, it's a much better way to look at something than the George Maxwell 10,000 hour, yeah. uh, like way of looking at it. Um, because it just emphasizes the process. You know what? And I'm so happy that we're talking about it because for everybody listening in, you guys are, you, you don't probably don't realize how lucky you are in that you're tuning into this conversation or how synchronistic uh, this conversation could be in your life. Because um, what usually happens, and I, I went through that as well, I'm still going through it sometimes, right? Because you're in that plateau, you feel like you're not making any progress. And then you go on social media, you look at somebody who's super successful and they're like, oh my God, you know, I just made $10,000 in one hour. So like, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What are you what are you talking about? Or you go and you watch this martial artist who like he punches somebody, they fly across the room and you're like, What? How? Like what mm-hmm. are, I'm never gonna be able to do that. Well, mm-hmm. But what most people don't realize is exactly what Lucas is uh is sharing right now, is that they went through exactly the same process that you are going through right now, and that there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, it's not that they they um, you, you're kind, you're defective or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the way that it goes, right? Yeah, big time. The comparison is real, especially nowadays. It's, you know, it, we're constantly comparing ourselves every single day yeah. on multiple platforms. It's tough. And, and it's, it's not not tough for anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like the best performers in the world have people they compare themselves to. Yes constantly you know sometimes more so than the people who are just starting out you know i can't even imagine what's going through the heads of you know mixed martial arts fighters at the very top and you know like people who compete like the the top boxer you know that sort of like fighting sport type thing i can't even imagine i remember ronda rousey in an interview after she got uh beat the second time she was crying i think it was on ellen she was crying and she was saying People won't 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 care about me anymore. Yeah, it's t- and that's like imagine feeling that at her level. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I having that. Yeah, please. The one of one of the best female fighters ever. You know, obviously had a like a bronze medal Olympian. Just absolute terror with her specific skill set. And she is still feeling the same things that everybody else feels when it comes to like plateaus and and skill sets and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, at that level, you get you get to the point when you really like when you get up in skill in anything. You get to a point where you have to have. This is really fascinating because I'm glad I'm talking to a martial artist about this because. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying this a, conversation a lot. <laughs> you get to that level of skill where you have to literally turn to yourself and say, am I good enough? And do I have the ability to be good enough at this level? Mm-hmm. Like the beginners don't have to worry about getting better. You're going yeah. to get better. You know, the amateurs, the intermediates, all of like you can advance in skill forever. And so if you're not competing, mm-hmm. you're pretty much golden as long as you don't quit. Yeah. But once you get to that highest level, all the, I mean, I was listening to a podcast with Joe Rogan and his friend Brendan Schaub. Brendan Schaub yeah. obviously used to fight. Um, and I listened to the conversation that Joe had with Brendan about Brendan. his fighting career. Yeah, I know exactly the conversation Iconic. that you're referring to. Yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah. Very difficult conversation to have, like especially with, with one of your closest friends. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like, and, yeah, please. I mean, well, no, I mean, he handled it with such class. I mean, I want to hear your perspective on it too, as a practicing artist, but the, that, that type of conversation is so critical. It's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to, to have an opinion on it, to be honest, because at one, um, from one side, you know, in this personal development space, everybody says you can be anything you want, right? You can Mm -hmm. do anything. You can be anything. Right. And mm-hmm. when somebody like one of your closest friends comes to you and says, look, I, I feel like you're probably not going to be able to be successful in this uh, specific career that you've chosen. Right. And we mm-hmm. all have that when we start. I mean, when I opened my martial arts school, all my friends told me, dude, this is not going to work. 
Mm. Romanians don't pay for martial arts. Mm. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? Mm. Right? And good. Yeah. Good point. You know, and your friends do that in the beginning. And it's very, very tough for you. Like I can imagine it was very tough for, for Joe to have that conversation with Brendan. I, I feel it's, it would, it would be very, very tough for me personally to have one of my friends have a conversation with me and tell me, look, you're not being, you're not really being, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not really the right choice for you. So there's, I, I think, let me, let me make a point. Sure. I think that there's a huge difference between your bud, your, yes. your friend and an expert counsel. You know, yes. it just so happened that yes. Joe was both. Was the ex- yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah. you know, he was able to get into Brendan's head as a friend and open up the, his mind. But he, Joe was truly, I mean, as far as people on the planet qualified to gauge a, a, a fighter's level of skill and yeah. their career progression, Joe is probably one of 10 in the world who can do that accurately. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. And so, expert counsel is so important, important, especially at the high, like, like I just said, you know, you could, you could progress as anything, as a copywriter, as a business owner, as a, mm-hmm. in your personal development, as a martial artist, you can progress forever. Yes. You can always get better and better and better and better and better. However, when you want to compete or when you are trying to like be the best at the there's, top of every human no being, thing. Yeah, obviously there's no such thing. There's, the rankings are always like that. But I mean, the the flip side of it is that when you get to that level, you you have to employ a sense of analysis to the issue yes. versus, you know, so I don't, I, I, I would, that's a really, I'm so glad you brought that up because we can't, um, if there's voices in our head telling us to stop internally, there's external voices saying that what you're, whatever you're doing is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have not been, so your internal voices are probably not the right voices. I'm, I'm just, I, I am a, unless you are a hyper intuitive person who is very self-aware, um, I am not one of those people. Mm. Uh, so I know that when I'm getting down on myself about stuff, that is a trigger in my mind that happened because of an external or internal stimulus. Yeah. I can identify that at this point. Um, you know, but with, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Please. I was going to say, it, it's, it's a distinction that matters because I don't want anybody to like use mm-hmm. the whole like, oh, I'm going to be that good, so I won't start as an excuse. When, when you um, open the subject of, of expert counsel, I was thinking, yeah, but if you have a mentor telling you, look, mm-hmm. I, I understand that this is what you want, right? But the way that you're approaching things is not necessarily the best or fastest way. Maybe, maybe you should be listening to that specific thing. So yeah, you're 100% when, I'm, when you're saying that Joe was actually very, very qualified to give him um, that, type of, um, that type of advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had areas in my life when I thought, you know what, I'm going to be doing this because I think this is going to be the best thing. For example, when I was working, I was trying to teach corporations, right? Mm. It just wasn't the right fit, right? It, was mm-hmm. not, it wasn't the right thing for me. And probably if I would have persisted um, in that sense, I would have probably had somebody like, look, you're miserable. Stop doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. Yeah, there, there's a difference between eustress and distress. Mm. You know? So eustress is obviously beneficial stress to the body, like exercise. Um, meditation is sometimes eustress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Wim Hof method is basically based off of eustress. You know, have you tried it? I, I have. I, I've done the breathing exercises a little bit, but I'm. I'm not. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm just not, to get the buzz. My dad's deep. <laughs> is my he? dad. My dad loves the Iceman. Yeah, he he he's the so he uh, lives in the Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. uh, and and was prone to like jumping in the icy snow flow rivers uh, with nothing on, just like just to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he's deep. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, guys. Go ahead and check out the Wim Hof method. It's it's it, it's very fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but distress is different you know so what it sounds like with your corporate stuff you weren't enjoying it you know i was trying to be somebody else 
yeah, you're trying to be some or something somebody sold, told you to do or, you know, that kind of, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that being able to identify the difference between a beneficial discomfort and um, not beneficial discomfort mm-hmm. is, is, is a really powerful skill to have. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of introspection, but most of us know intuitively, at least at that level, what feels good versus what feels bad. Yeah, definitely. And I think you, you still need to try it at least mm-hmm. a few times and see if, if it's exactly what you're referring to. Something that maybe it's uncomfortable in the beginning, but you're going to grow into it because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You love it. Just like mm-hmm. I wasn't good at martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like when I started, I, I was horrible, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. in a few years, people, because I changed martial arts schools and in my third school the teacher said you're very talented what are you talking about i've been doing this for six years in different schools right Mm -hmm. yeah so it was definitely something that i I loved and i grew into awesome um you said you did a bit of martial arts as well right i did when i was younger i was really i was into it taekwondo we did grappling there as well and and um yeah all of that but i i haven't been a practicer for about a decade now Dude, my first my first school we were doing a lot of grappling as well mm-hmm. before That's it fun. was cool <laughs> yeah exactly before <laughs> it was cool that was like yeah i think that was like 2005 2006 kind of mm-hmm. um is when i was doing that but my my wife actually is is the true martial artist in the family is she um, yeah she, she, she she was a krav maga instructor um she was actually why didn't you say so we should have had her on the podcast (laughs) yeah well you can have her next (laughs) i don't know if she's a podcast person she's kind of private um joking um but yeah yeah i just interviewed a couple who um, they're both copywriters as well and they help people with loans and they both train boxing they're they're business partners and they they uh box together nice who is that yeah i'll send you the link when you should yeah, I, I like to I like to know the different copywriters, and having a copywriter couple is cool. I know of a few. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Being able to train together, I think, is pretty cool. Um, my wife is so much better than me at it <laughs> that it's I I can't I can't give her any sort of like good training. <laughs> she has to she has to train better because she she loves Brazilian Jiu Jitsu now. I mean, she yeah, was definitely. She was a Krav Maga, like she was actually the youngest certified Krav Maga instructor in the United States mm-hmm. when she mm-hmm. got certified. Um, awesome. And she did that for a long time. And then she trained Muay Thai and uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu when we were in Colorado. Dude, Muay Thai so, is so nice. Yeah. Muay Thai is so nice. And, and so, but she, she loves Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's her thing. Yeah, definitely. And more and more people are, are falling in love with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, I'm launching another podcast in January. We already have recorded a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my partner, my co-host is Sifu Mark Phillips. I mean, he's like a very well-known um, martial arts teacher in the Wing Chun uh, space and mm-hmm. martial arts world generally. Um, and we had another uh, Wing Chun Sifu. And Mark and this other Sifu, they both trained jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And they were like talking about like, And I'm like guys, you're making me want to start training jiu-jitsu. And they're like, they got really fired up. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should. And <laughs> One of us. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you feel you got out of your martial arts training that you, um, that you used in your business, in your life? What are some of the lessons that you feel were really, really valuable for you? Um, I think that's a great question. So my traditional martial arts training was helpful for uh, the just the the power of repetition. I guess yes. it it, pri- it primed me to know that I was going to get better iteratively, uh, and and just to keep doing the motions, keep going, accept the feedback, that sort of thing, which is really powerful for yes. someone who's younger. You know. Um, I think that's what the traditional helped me with. But then I, I remember having kind of a, an epiphany moment when I, I did my first Krav Maga class because, and this is, this is interesting, it may be just be an indicator of the instructors I had traditionally, but I had never punched something as hard as I possibly could until oh, I did Krav Maga. Interesting. 
And, yeah. and I, I was always, it was always control and it was always, you know, like the correct form and tradition. And I never actually hit something as hard as I could. And Are we talking I, about Taekwondo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Taekwondo, Taekwondo uh, very form-based. Again, grappling. You're not trying to hurt the person. There's no competition. Right. Right. You're just trying to like get advantage. Um, and so I busted my knuckles open in my first class in Krav Maga and was just this like raw beatdown of like something that I personally had never really experienced before. I'd always, mm-hmm. all the sports I'd been in had been controlled. All the martial arts I'd been in had been like very specific and that type of I'd never seen myself do that type of thing before. Mm-hmm. And it was an epiphany moment in that, in, in that space. Um, so I think that between both of those, the ability to iterate and get better over time and the ability to know what you're capable of in a given yes. moment, those two things combined, really, really helpful for me personally. Interesting. Martial what, arts. What did that mean to you personally when, um, when you punch something as hard as you could? didn't mean to me yeah it was you know usually i'm in my head and Mm -hmm. i can describe things but the the epiphany was more of like a body thing yes um the the best way i can describe it is that uh like I, I'd open, I'd opened a, a, a sluice gate or opened a little like door or something mm-hmm. that that had always been shut that I didn't even know mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. So that that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh crap, I can do this, or oh crap, this is something I haven't done before and it feels interesting, it feels good, it feels bad, you know, like it hurts, but it it uh, it's empowering. Like it's uh, it was one of those type of feeling experiences, which I mean, as a guy who kind of lives in their head and writes words and, you know, um, I don't get a lot of those, but that was one of them. Let me just say that you're definitely not the only person on this planet who lives in, who mostly lives in their heads. And something that we, we say in our school is that the mind is the body. Right, mm-hmm. and what most people do, just like you were experiencing in um, in your Taekwondo training, most people instead of using their full resources, their their full body, always hold back, mm-hmm. right? just to protect the other person, right? And we do that in conversations as well. I'm, I'm sure you well aware of it because you're, you're teaching it mm-hmm. to to other people, um, and to everybody listening in. You're you're holding back also in conversations because you're afraid not to hurt the other person. Hey. Sorry to interrupt the interview. I'll let you get back to it in a moment. Let me just ask you, do you want more financial freedom in your business so that you have time for the important things in your life? Would you like to level up your business and become a black belt in business success? Let me help you. I will personally take a look at your business and show you exactly how you can make it more profitable so that you enjoy more financial freedom and more time with your loved ones. Get in touch with me over social media. Links are in the description. Send me a message with the text business breakthrough and we will schedule an appointment and you will get a free coaching session where I teach you exactly how to make your business more profitable without putting in more hours. And this is going to be only for the first five people who get in touch with me this week. So check the description, get in touch with me on social media, send me a message with the text business breakthrough, and let me help you take your business to the next level. Not to hurt your partner. And you get that also through, if, if you're training in, in that kind of environment and you're sparring and you, you're taking care of your partner a lot, you're going to be doing that in conversations and in business. You're going to always be holding back. However, if you learn and you allow yourself to punch something with your whole body, right? And we, we do this exercise in, in seminars, right? I have somebody come up, somebody from the audience, and I have them push me, right? And I say, look, focus in your head and push me. And notice how much power you're generating, right? And they do that. And then the second step is, instead of focusing in your head, go to your center, to your dantian, right below your belly button, right? And focus 
focus there. Like everybody listening in, just, just do that. It doesn't matter if you're walking, you're driving, just go slowly from your head to your chest and focus um, right below your belly button in your Dantian. You're going to notice this totally different state of calm where you're using your whole body, your whole, uh, all of your resources. And I have people do that and I have them push me with their focus right there in their center. The power is double. Right, because they're living in their body, they're they're using they all all of their resources, and yeah, when when you said that when you punch something as hard as you could, and you notice yourself being able to generate so much power mm-hmm. that it opened the door, it just made so much sense. Yeah, and it was, and so it was a, it was also more than one punch. It was it was like a true ground and pound kind yeah. of like unleash. Uh, thing and I don't think a lot of people get an opportunity to do that outside of martial arts and especially in modern life there's not a you know even when you're at the gym and lifting weights which a lot more people do than martial arts like the Mm -hmm. it's you're always taught control you know control the movement all that kind Mm -hmm. of thing so there's very few places still and I might be parroting Joe Rogan when I say this because I, I hear him talk about similar things. But it's like there's very few places where you can go and and just push to the level of of power and exhaustion that you could in a martial art like that. Yes, definitely. And you know, my students come to class and and they're like, you know, I went to I went for weightlifting, but after weightlifting, I feel tired. And mm-hmm. I come here after training, I feel energized, right? And they go home and they're like, oh my God, let me do some stuff. Let me, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do something productive. Um, but what happens, like the, the way that you breathe also when you're lifting weights, you're not really releasing tension. You're building tension in your body. Right? Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that you shouldn't be lifting weights and shouldn't be working out. Of course you should. You just need to be aware of that, right? So the way that you're breathing also, right? If, if I were to have a conversation and talk to you and breathe the way that I breathe when I'm lifting weights, you, you're going to feel so much tension in the conversation, right? It's not going to flow. Mm-hmm. However, when you breathe like, you're releasing or when you're hitting something full of power, you're like, ah, mm-hmm. you're releasing all of that tension, all of that mm-hmm. um, um, stress. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's very, very... Um, Cathartic? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah, that's the, awesome. that's exactly the word. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, um, I agree. So I, I'd love to get back a bit to this idea of advertisers um, making us compare like these big names, feeling that you know it's easy for them. When you're writing copy for these big names, mm-hmm. right? Is it challenging for you to um, you know find a balance between? look, this is my shiny uh, life. It's amazing. Take Mm -hmm. my program. You're going to have the same life and giving people like very pragmatic and realistic expectations. And look, this is going to be your progress. You're going to plateau for a while. Then you're going to see more progress and then you're going to plateau a bit more, but Mm -hmm. part of the the journey, like which one actually works. Great question. Um, And I'll be honest and people might call me cynical, um, but for me, it's more of a putting sugar in the medicine type approach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is where ethics comes into copywriting. Yes. Um, for try phrase it right. Basically the product is what's going to create the outcome mm. for that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if and when they take and do the program, they're going to move through that process at whatever way the instructor has designed for them to move through that process. And if the instructor is good and the content is good, it will help them accomplish that outcome, yes. right? <laughs> um, whatever that outcome is, is what people ultimately want. Yes. So you can't sell the process. You have to sell the outcome. The benefit, exactly. The benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to answer any objection, true or false, that occurs in the prospect's mind to, to taking that step to get the outcome, mm-hmm. right? And that's true of 
persuading anyone to do anything, like drop the copywriting for a second and go to any persuasion, right? Um, if you want to raise at work, the outcome for you is to get more money, right? But yeah. your, your prospect is your boss and the outcome for them is to what? Increase the bottom line, increase productivity, um, look good on their quarterly report, look good on their yearly eval to their boss. Like what's their outcome? Because if their outcome doesn't match your outcome, you're not going to get the raise. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same voting, right? Convincing a human being to go out and vote and then vote for a specific person. What's the outcome? You, the politician, want the outcome of getting elected into this position. Yes. What does the voter want? What's their outcome, right? Do, do they have strong beliefs about a specific political topic? Do they have strong beliefs around their, their home? Um, does their outcome match your outcome? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for the business owner, it's very similar. Uh, the business owner, the outcome is to sell as much product as possible, right? Yes. To increase profits in their business. Um, sometimes I hear the, like, I just want to make impact and change lives kind of thing. And I'm like, sure. You know, like it, if you really want to sale for, for that to happen. Right. And so I, I always feel like, so there's people who say that because they were taught to say that mm -hmm. and that's the majority. Then there's the people who say that because they think they believe it. Um, and then I, my always, my follow-up is, well, if you want to make, you know, impact, why not move to Calcutta and serve the poor? Yes. That's a great impact. Yes. You're not going to make any money, you know? And then they're like, oh, well, and then, and then it really comes out, you know, they obviously, and it's okay to want things for yourself. It's okay to want to start a business and, and make money and live a certain lifestyle. That's okay. But you can't lie about that being your goal mm -hmm. to yourself or to your audience. Yeah. Um, and if you also want to do that while holding on to your values and ethics, which is what most people want to do right? So you want to provide value. You want people to love what you give them and help them with, mm -hmm. but you also want to have that lifestyle. Then that is the truth. And you have to be okay with that. Um, so when we're backing up into business, uh, I think, and this is answering your question in a long roundabout way, because I had to make my point. You, you can't focus on that process. You have to focus on that outcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in copy, you solely hammer the outcome in every way you can. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And what I really, really loved about what you shared was the fact that when you're talking to your clients, you're not just giving them, look, um, go ahead and do this, 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 and uh, let's find out what the outcome of your audience is and how we can sell it to them and so on and so forth. You're actually helping your clients get a lot more clarity on what they actually want, right? It's not just about mm -hmm. thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm serving the world it's also about being okay with the fact that you do want to have financial freedom and financial mm -hmm. stability, that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And right. Is that like, is that the first step that you take your clients through um, <clears throat> when you work with them? I'll be honest. I'm at a level now where I work with clients who have already made that jump. That, um, mm -hmm. So they know they're running a business. They know they yes. need to make profits. And so we're talking tactics and strategy for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But I will, there's been a couple where I've had to have that conversation. Like, look, your authenticity is not coming. You know, it, it doesn't sound good. Yes. You know, it, uh, whatever you're saying is not really true. You're changing it to think, you know, to, to, you're modifying what you're telling me in order to mm -hmm. make it sound a certain way. And I've had to have a couple of those conversations, even recently, um, where with good meaning coaches who really want to make an impact, but have been taught or told to do, you know, certain things. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, yeah, I lost my train of thought. The point, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, what, what I would really love to ask you, are you, did you want to follow up with something else? I, no, I lost it. It's gone. So Hopefully what I, I really, it. really wanted to ask you, because we were discussing this idea that people go to social media and look at these big names who are actually have their challenges as well, who compare themselves to others. And, um, they talk about the outcome that you're going to have money, you're going to have freedom, right? And then you feel a bit weird. Oh my God, I don't have this. I don't have that. What would you say for everybody listening in that would be a more productive perspective in their journey towards um, 
becoming the best version of themselves instead of comparing themselves and saying, oh man, I don't have the yacht yet. I don't have, I'm not driving the Tesla yet, right? What would be a better thought to have in that moment when somebody's talking about that amazing outcome that will actually get you closer to the goal instead of making you feel bad about your progress? So I'm a writer and this is going to be biased towards people who write. Yes. Um, But I think that when you have that initial reaction, like let's say you're looking at social media and you see something and you have a feeling, you have an emotion, and then you start having those thoughts, whatever it is, you're not, you're not going to cognitively catch the emotion and the feeling that happens too fast, Mm -hmm. but you will start noticing thoughts and those thoughts are going to feel familiar, right? As soon as you start to notice the familiar thoughts, get a, can I curse on this podcast? Go ahead. (laughs) Get, Get a fucking notebook and start writing and start stream of consciousness, brain vomiting exactly what's in your head onto the piece of paper. All the, the, the words as they come out, don't self edit. Don't, don't change words. Don't get pissed at yourself for not being able to write. Just take the words in your head that happened as you had that, those feelings and start writing them down. And then when you're done, when it's all gone, like what you're going to call it being spent, I guess, like all your energy has gone. Yeah. Um, go back and look and see what you wrote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a logical, non-emotional state of mind, you're going to be able to notice a lot of fallacies, a lot of incorrect facts, a lot of assumptions, a lot of beliefs. You're going to just look at that piece of paper and go, who wrote that? Yeah. You know, or did I write that? And, and just having that awareness that the emotion triggers the feeling, triggers the thoughts, Yes. is going to change everything for you. I, this is an exercise that I do. Um, and I think that once you make that realization that those thoughts are created from those feelings, mm-hmm. you're able to identify them easier and then start to replace them with either nothing. That's the, good, that's the place to start is mm-hmm. nothing. Like, oh, I'm having these thoughts, change. Like move somewhere else. Um, like get up, walk around, stop having those thoughts. I used to, I used to have a little rubber band around my wrist where I would snap myself. Um, when you were having these kinds of thoughts, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really bad to like three, four years ago. Some people um, need a whip. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, it's not easy. It's not fast. Yeah, You're going to keep having it. Um, but every time you do that, it helps build a little bit more awareness and resiliency towards what you're doing mentally. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, this advice isn't applied only to writers. I mean, anybody can, uh, should do this. If you don't have a notebook, if you don't have a journal where you're planning out your day, dude, like, get one. Everybody listening in, get, get a notebook. Start mm-hmm. writing stuff. Stay ready to stuff down. The other, the other option, if you don't have a notebook handy or you don't, don't even like to write or like a lot of people have a mental block against writing. Yeah. Uh, record yourself. Audio. Yeah. Or yeah. Visual. Or video. Most people have smartphones. Most people have computers with webcams. You know, just hit the button. And the point is to do it immediately. The point isn't to like sit and think and find a place to, you know, go back. The thing is to catch it and then yes. write it. You know, yes. like like capturing your dreams after you wake up, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it has to be quick. You know what? This actually reminds me of um, a few years back. I, I, you know, I celebrated New Year's with some of my students and I had a bit to drink, you know, not too much, but, mm-hmm. you know, having, celebrating with your students and drinking as well, it's not the best idea. So when I, when mm-hmm. I came back home, you know, I took a photo, I took a selfie of myself, right? And I save it on my Evernote, save mm. the photo. And I, I wrote down, this is what you look like, right? And this happened, I think, three years ago. Today, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not able to finish a glass of wine. Hmm. Just because I, I got like this type of awareness of, mm-hmm. oh my God, I, who is this person, right? Yep. And I'm very, very happy about that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a glass of wine. Right. I'm just, um, what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. once you have that type of awareness, it's going to be much, much easier for you to navigate, uh, with it. Yeah. Like for you, it was, it was right for you 
in yeah. your circumstance to make that yes. decision. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, Lucas, what, what is like um, one story that you can share with us that, uh, you know, like a moment in your life when you said, you know, screw this copywriting shit. Let me just, <laughs> let, let me get a job. Let me do something I want. I want to quit, but you didn't. What, what made you um, keep going? 12 hours before every deadline. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Not really kidding. Um, so yeah, the the writers listening in, you know, we're like, are, are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know exactly what you mean. Um, I think the biggest thing that that hit me hard was I I made a bad business decision um, to to join up with a company rather than stay solo, mm-hmm. and it was for the money, straight up. I was getting paid more than I ever had before. Yeah. Uh, with the promise of even more. And it was exciting. It was new. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I abandoned all the existing, not abandoned, I, I phased out all the existing clients that I had. I dried up my pipeline and was working for this company and it ended up being a terrible decision um, due to, you know, the leadership of the company, the way it was mm-hmm. organized, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with nothing the relationship with that entrepreneur ended up poorly with everyone who was in the company that he started i mean he's still being chased around for like 200 grand that he scammed from someone oh um so and that's one person there were like 50 uh and and so that was a bad call on my part but what happened was that it dramatically affected me personally and it affected my wife and it affected my business and it affected our life. And, and after that whole all fell apart was a very difficult period of my life and in our marriage and in all of that. And it was because I, I went after the money. Mm-hmm. It was because I ignored warning signs. It was because I abandoned what I knew was working for me at the time yeah. in order to explore something brand new. Um, that I hadn't fully vetted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that was like the one time where I'm like, shit, okay, is this even something that I want to keep doing? Do I want to, yeah. you know, like this is, if I were ever going to go get a job working somewhere, this would be the moment. Uh, but we stuck through it. And I think we we stuck through it for a lot of different small reasons, not one not one big reason. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel that served you, that whole experience? Oh, man. So I, I learned a lot of micro lessons just about myself and how I handle problems and uh, people and how to identify like red flags and clients and um, situations that aren't beneficial and mm-hmm. um, how people react in given stressful scenarios. Uh, so lots of little micro lessons throughout is very, it, so most of the worst things that I've done in my life have also been great teaching lessons. Uh, when you have the emotional maturity and, and distance from the situation to, to analyze it. Um, but I think, you know, for, for the most part, it was, it was client selection. It was self-evaluation. It was um, uh, resilience in, in rebuilding something. It was resourcefulness uh, during the time when we didn't have anything after that. So, That's awesome. yeah, it was. You, you know, know what? I, I love I love the fact that you're talking about resilience so much, and I think it would be an awesome idea if um, um, if you're open to it, of course, to do like uh, an interview with my uh, with my partner over at um, Marshall Mindset. We talk a lot more about resilience over there because you know it's it's. It's the key, you know, you want to do something, but it's not going to happen overnight. So mm-hmm. you need that kind of resilience. If, if you don't find something inside of you that pushes you forward, then you'll find that it's, it's very, very good to have it, uh, to find it externally in the sense, if you have a family or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, your husband, who's depending on you to step up, mm-hmm. that's a great motivator to, to hang on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I agree. I don't I don't know that resilience 
I don't know that resilience is one or the other internal or external. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think it's a combination of both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We, so we, we talked about resilience all day long in the military Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of, uh, from, from when I came in as an officer in 2012 to when I got out last April, um, obviously war in Iraq, war in Afghanistan, long protracted, you know, mentally difficult conflicts against an asymmetric enemy. So that requires resilience and it also breeds a lot of PTSD and, you know, Mm -hmm. the issues that come with that if you don't have mental and physical resilience. And that's the word that we use to describe it. Um, You know, I'm actually very happy that you didn't uh, uh, go to the military and uh, go to war because we wouldn't have had this (laughs) awesome conversation. I'm glad I didn't die, but just, just for full clarity, I, I did, I was still in the military until last April. I, I was in the national guard and we drill every month. Oh, so, okay. um, I, it wasn't full-time active duty. Those guys are, those guys are full-time and they, and they do all that kind of stuff. But, um, it was, it was a big part of my life until last April. Mm, awesome. April, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Um, Lucas, what would be one question that you would like to ask our audience? Oh man. Um, interesting. So how do they, how do they typically respond? Like in comments, comments or, okay. Yeah. So a question for your audience. I think the biggest question I have is uh, what, what makes you listen to a podcast like this one? And, and the, when you're listening to it, what is what is the specific situation that you are applying it to mm-hmm. in your life? Mm-hmm. So you're listening to it and why, but what is the specific situation you're applying it to? Is it because you're an artist is it, or your martial artist is because you're a business owner, you're a coach, you're you know, someone who wants to do those things? Um, I, I, I'm curious to see because there's so many podcasts that you can listen to. You're obviously choosing to listen to this one. And there are, I'm just really curious to see what, like what kinds of people you are and what, uh, like what your life is all about. I'd be curious to know that. Awesome. So aside for having the most charming host in the world, uh, what is the reason why you're listening to this podcast guys? Yeah. (laughs) Let us hear it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to um, to chat. It was really fun. Um, and so it was good. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I'm, uh, we went in a lot of different directions that I haven't really thought about. So that was a lot of fun. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, guys, go ahead and check out Lucas's website, and definitely get in touch with him if you want to learn copywriting or um, if you need help with your specific. Um, business. Awesome. (laughs) I'll see you guys next time. Yes. Have a good one. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And if you're ready for more financial freedom, for more time to spend with your loved ones or doing what you're really, really, really passionate about, send me a message over social media, connect with me. Links are in the description and I will give you a free business breakthrough session where I will show you exactly how you can make your business more profitable so that you live a happy and fulfilled life with your loved ones. I'll see you soon.